Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. Welcome to another episode of Isaac's Autism Wild Podcast. Today I have my friend Maria. And we are the two autism parents that are going to chat today. I think we're chatting as parents and providers today because it just seems like recently there's been a lot of conversations and people reaching out to us at the Isaac Foundation about IEPs. Some, it's just a little bit of educating people and parents about how to advocate for their child. Some of it is because the parents feeling like the school's not doing the things that are supposed to be happening and there needs to be a little bit of education on both sides. Sometimes you're going in and talking to schools about, hey guys, here's a whack code that maybe you're less familiar with and we need to circle back. So we thought, do a podcast. So we thought, let's do a podcast about it. Yeah, I think we have parents that call for multiple reasons. Some know that the schools aren't doing right. Some have a weird feeling but can't quite identify why. Yeah. And some just are extremely overwhelmed or intimidated. Yes. And we can kind of help manage most of that. Yes. And one mom that I I asked you to support and go and attend an IEP meeting as a parent support person was because she has so much anxiety and she was really feeling bad about herself because she didn't understand the process, didn't know what she was allowed to ask for. So then she always went in there feeling that she was doing her child a disservice. And that made me very sad and a little bit mad that this is a system that really, I don't know, it's very complicated and scary and it feels like you're drinking out of a fire hose. Yeah, it can be very intimidating, especially if you had a negative experience in school and makes it even harder to advocate if there's some past traumas within the school walls. Yes. And one thing I hope that when people do call us and utilize us is I hope that they feel like by the time we're done that they're the ones that are in control of the IEP meeting at the table. Yes. I'm just there to help navigate, but by far I want them to feel the empowerment. Yes. Because it's their kiddos' education, so I want them to feel like... They are in control of that. I agree. The one thing I will say is when we get involved, understand we're not vinegar. Hmm. We are not vinegar. So if that's what you're looking for, that's not us. Definitely not confrontational. No, uh -uh. because nothing is gained from having that type of a thing. I think anytime you can have mutual respect Mm -hmm. and work towards a common good, which if everybody around the table is working to support and build an IEP that works for the child, then we're all in a good place. And There are times where things get very cantankerous, but we're not there to just be more vinegar and add fire and fuel to the flame. We're there to really try and be like supportive and, hey, that's what we're working for is for the kiddo. And we don't really like being involved to a heavy degree in things like that where it's very, very adversarial. No, and for the most part, there's policies in place that make it like non-negotiables. Yeah. So really, it shouldn't be as long as you follow the policies, it's pretty non confrontational. Exactly. So and that's the way it should be. And sometimes you just need reminders yeah. of policies. But you can be, you are so polite as you remind people mm-hmm. about the federal and state WACs that guide what the the policies are. And so you are so gentle about just saying, maybe we need to circle back to WAC, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it says, let me bring that up for you. Yes. And you do that in a nice, in a, in that little, because you have just a sweet, gentle little voice. Everybody is listening to you now. And it's I like, try. she never raises it. It's just like, I think we need to just get, let's go back to the whack for mm-hmm. some clarification about what this policy says that we're to do in this situation. Yeah. It's best just to keep emotion out of it because it's not going to get you anywhere. 100%. You're just going to sit at a table for two hours and the progress won't be made for the student, and that's what we're there for. Yeah. We're not there to mix oil and water. 100%. That's not at all our intent behind these meetings. It's really just to get the best education for our kiddos. Yeah. So everything else can kind of be put in your back pocket. Yes. Because we have to focus on our kiddo. Yes. So we've we've already defined how Isaac Foundation goes about getting involved in these processes. But I thought 
a lot of times parents just reach out because they're confused or they want you to look at the IEP mm-hmm. and offer some guidance. How do you, does this sound okay? And then sometimes all you're doing is redefining or looking at goals. Sometimes it's the, well, we didn't make these goals from last year, so why are we just recycling them? And you're just kind of coaching the family and you don't even walk into an IEP meeting with this family as a parent support person. No, oftentimes I don't. Oftentimes it can be figured out and learned either via email, oftentimes over the phone. It's just a little more personal that way. but And faster. It's so long to have Mm -hmm. to type some of these Mm -hmm. things out. I agree. So sometimes I just get emails about the IEP and I can read over them and suggest goals based on their current standards where they're at. Um, Sometimes I can look and see that the goal hasn't been met and we can discuss what happens with that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just maybe we need to add a goal or is that goal really practical for the trajectory of your student's education? Yeah. Because it's ultimately about your student's education and not a goal bank that educators can pull up. Let's talk a little it bit about that. It needs to be that. individualized, which is the whole point of an IEP. Is yeah. It's super important and relative that these goals that are on your student's IEP are individualized to them. Yes. As far-fetched as they may sound, if it's intentional and if it holds purpose for your student, then by all means put it on the IEP. Yes. One of the ones that we had on my son's IEP is learning how to make a grocery shopping list mm-hmm. and adding up the numbers to make sure he had enough yes, money. Enough money. And that's reading, that's writing, that's spelling, that's math, that's all of the basic elements of education, but presented in a way that was functional for him. Yes. And in your world, Josiah doesn't have the communication skills to be able to say, I want to be able to build a grocery shopping list and then go and execute on my shopping list. Correct. In our world, what we did for Caleb, once he got to be in the fifth grade, we started having Caleb be part of his IEP meetings because he does have language skills and is capable enough that if he can spend the majority of his day in general ed, then he should be at the table talking about what do you want some of these schools to be? And what Caleb articulated at one, it wasn't in fifth grade, but at one year, I want to say it was last year or the year before, when we asked him, Caleb, what do you want? He says, I want to be able to read the instructions and cook a frozen pizza in the oven. I love that so much. Right. There's so many skills that are actually built into that. I'm so glad. Yes. Yes. Because we see that. And I was like, you know what, Caleb? Yes. So the whole, everything from that point forward, as we were working on goals, for his therapy sessions, which he still works mm-hmm. with a speech language pathologist. And then when we were building his IEP, is that he what he's asking for, if we really dial this down, is he wants to learn how to better read a set of instructions, break it apart, and be able to execute on those steps one, two, three, four, five, so that he can get his goal accomplished. And in this case, he's motivated by a frozen pizza. That's phenomenal. Because <laughs> not only can those goals then be at if you have GDA, it can be GDA goal. Yeah. It could be you talk to your physicians. Yeah. It could be your therapy goals, your IEP goals. But also it's that self-independence piece where he can be like, wait a second, now that I'm cooking the pizza, there's like one left in the freezer and this is about to be a crisis. Yes. So now I can say, mom. Yeah. Now we need to get some more. But to then, be aware of that. Yes. But then it builds on the, okay, what do we do when we're out of frozen pizza? Yes. Next skill is the being able to organize and come up with a list. How do you put together the list? How do you execute on the shopping list? The math skills to know that you have enough yes. money to shop. There's so many things. So from that, you're absolutely right. It builds on the next yep. skill. And all of these things can be tra- translated just from this example for Caleb about how we're now actually building a goal and making it his IEP set of IEP mm-hmm. goals for math. It's a set of IEP goals when it comes to his ability to read, reading comprehension. Comprehension. Yep. And then being able to execute on that. What to do when you're confused? Like when we get stuck, what do we do? Do we just put the freezer back or the pizza back in the freezer? The answer is no. Because you're still going to be hungry. We're still going to be hungry, right? So it's not abandoning the task. It's persevering. What do we do? So that was his behavior goal is when he's stuck, what does he do? He Mm -hmm. has to stay stuck for less than five minutes, go get help, and be specific about what he needs assistance doing. So understand that was motivated by him. And we have to use that for Caleb as his thing that makes him motivated to try and meet those goals. And you're still hitting all the goal sets that are required for his age group or for his developmental level. Yes. And you're still hitting them all. And you can break it into a math goal. You can break it into a behavior goal. You can break it into then reading comprehension and then even writing skills. All of those things have all of those elements to it. OT. Yes. Opening it up. Yes. All of the skills that are required for that too. Yes. So many things. So we thought, we, as we talk about this, and we recently had a meeting with DDA, because we are DDA contractors for various contracts and services, but it was one of those things where 
you know, one of our things is as we're peer mentoring is that people, parents probably don't have enough understanding about what appropriate goal is. And do you have to accept what we call out of the container? What do you call it? Out of the box? Um, out of the drawer? Goal bank. Goal bank. Oh, yes. yeah. You call it a goal bank. Yes. And it is drives it? me in. Oh, yes. So a goal bank, when you talk about a goal bank, that means that these teachers that are building these IEPs like to go to their goal bank. Because if we're being honest, and if you're a special ed teacher listening to this, I don't throw stones at us, but we're going to just, we have to identify the elephant in the room. We know that it is more convenient in a classroom in terms of management and managing all the different goals is to go to the goal bank. Yes. And if you have 10 of your 15 students working on the same, say, reading and writing goals, it's much easier in a classroom to be able to manage that, right? Oh, it's definitely great classroom management skills. Yes, I know. Yes, it is. But so if we're identifying that elephant in the room, sorry, special ed teachers, but we got to call you out on this one. We see that would make the most sense for a classroom management perspective. If the goal is creating individualized education programs for these students and making things meaningful, then that's not the best way of going and, about it. And I think that even though it's a individualized goal for our kiddos, say Caleb and Josiah, mm -hmm. it also wouldn't hurt the other students in no. the classroom to benefit from the unique goals of each student. Yes. Because oftentimes they're about the same level, yes. same intentions. They would love to need. do the same thing. Yeah. Yes. You're right. So even though each child has their own individual goal, that doesn't mean that you have to exclude the whole class from learning that goal. Yes. If it's appropriate for that for other students. Yes. And we have to think outside of the box. Like I have mm -hmm. always, it stuck with me when you were sharing, you had to fight on one of Josiah's IEPs because they wanted him to learn the countries on it. So we were, <laughs> that we were actually it's so preposterous to me. I'm like, yes. wait, what was that bullshit? So Josiah is nonverbal. Um, he at the time was in seventh grade, full self-contained classroom, one-to-one -one para, nonverbal. Like we're just working on this boy keeping his hands to himself, right? Like very minimal interactions because he's just got a lot of skills he's got to learn. During the parent conference, this um, his teacher was so excited that he could point to Egypt on a map. <laughs> And I said, ma'am, that's fantastic. But do you know he can only read Egypt because he loves Madagascar? Because he relates to it from Madagascar. So if you, I'm glad that he can identify a shape and mm -hmm. identify the word that matches it. That's great matching skills. Yeah. How is that going to help him be successful in the community? Yes. Yeah. But she was so proud that she taught him. Which really doesn't have any applicable. It, it's not keeping him safe. No. It's not helping him be more independent. It, it, mm. Yes. Yeah. But I firmly believe, and this is one of the things that you dazzle me with, is that you are really good at being able to, again, let's have a conversation as like, what would be a meaningful goal for them? And take, again, making a pizza, creating mm -hmm. a shopping list, mm -hmm. whatever that might be that's motivating for them and breaking it into attainable and appropriate educational goals that could be work at, worked on in a classroom environment that still are building yes. and they're and they can be translated to other really important things that are life-changing. I think what, so in my experience, what I have found is a lot of the special ed teachers we've had experience with have been gen ed teachers for quite a long time. Yes. And they are in the mindset of education. This is why you go to school. You go to school to learn the next skill. So the next grade you're prepared. Without a mind shift of going into special ed, it's functional education. How is this going to help this individual be more functional Yes, at home or in the community? You've got to change your lens as the educator. It's not practical for my son to know where Egypt is on a map. No, but you it's know not what? practical. But it would be practical when we, if we really want to talk about a map, is pointing to his house on a map. Yeah. Wouldn't that be special? Yeah, or his address. Or address. Can he write his number. name? His yeah. phone number. See yeah. what I'm saying? So there are ways where it's like we have to make these relevant and, again, safety things. Like, mm -hmm. to me, that totally translates. As we're writing, working on our writing goals, first one should be, can they write their name? Number one. I don't care. Right. I don't care if you learn any skill ever. First and last name first has and last name. to be one of them. Yes. And, and in a separate podcast, we yes. talked about why yes. that is. And we'll maybe put a link as to why that is important here at the end of this one. I And I agree. If we're going to work on a map skill and if that is a requirement, how about a map of where you live? So then that way there's a cognitive understanding and translation of what that means. If you have to even work on that skill. I don't even think it. Like I said, if you have a wanderer, which... 
Some, yes, he is. He is a wanderer. <laughs> like I say, and what I laugh about that is you're worried about Egypt. But did you ever think about teaching right. him on a map to point to where he lives when he wanders away and he doesn't have the language to tell the police officer right. how to find his parents? And, and we have Google Maps now. You can yeah. print off like real time yes. pictures of our house and our geographical locations and the map from school to home. Yes. That's phenomenal map skills. Yes. Because so, it, so true. It could come in handy one day it could but again thinking outside of the box Mm -hmm. you have your loved one and sometimes when they don't have the language like cooper does not have the language ability to be able to articulate what we want what he wants his goals to be however we know things that he's motivated by so then as we're thinking about independent living self-care I really am focusing on helping him to be more independent and more regulated in his body because if he's not regulated and comfortable in his body, then no learning is happening. That's point number one. Thousand and two. Yes. Like you have to be learning ready. Yes. So if you have students that are so defiant upon the goals, yeah, they're probably communicating to you that it is not an appropriate goal. That's not what they want. Yeah. You've got to get them and continue to have them at baseline if it's going to be any kind of learning. Yeah. And if you're not tuning into what they're communicating via behaviors or talking, there's going to be a lot of wasted time in your school year. And one of the things that I wonder, and you tell me, because you, I call you, you are just, I call you the IEP whisperer. It's kind of weird, but I love it. so good at it. (laughs) I watch you like dive into these IEPs and it's, oh, I've got to work on this IEP. And it's, you almost, you have a smile on your face and a highlighter. I just love it though. Oh my goodness. You're just like, oh, I got to dig into this one next. And I'm like, I would be pulling my hair out and you I love it in the fact that I have a skill yeah. and I have the knowledge and it doesn't do anybody any good if I just keep it to myself. 100%. And it benefits. It's your superpower. It is my superpower. It's your superpower. But it also, it's for the kids. Yeah. Because I have that ability, I will do it every day. Yes. If it benefits the educational projection of our children. Yeah. And our youth in our community. So true. And that's where we are very at the Isaac Foundation, you know, what's in the best interest of the child Mm -hmm. beyond what's the best interest beyond that. It's really always person centered for our kiddos. And the cool thing is that as we get to know them through the clubhouse, if you're not familiar with Isaac's clubhouse, it's an after school and weekend program for kids um, of all abilities to have access to opportunities to come in here and build relationships and interact and enjoy interests and and find new interests, find new interests they may never have tried in a context that makes sense for them. And through that, we get to know the kids. And that mm-hmm. has been hugely helpful as we've then let's look at these IEP goals as parents are expressing their frustration or concerns or feeling overwhelmed. I love the fact that you can look at some of these IEPs and because some of the kids are yes. like, oh, knowing such and such, this is a silly thing. Why in the world? Like, we're not at this level yet. We got to go back down to X, Y or Z. And I love that because also we get the opportunity if we get to spend time with them here in some of our programs, we get to know them a little bit better. And so it makes some of that more possible. I just get to be everybody's auntie. I know. And I take it as an auntie role. Like, really? I'm going to do what's best for my niece and my nephew. Yeah. That's, and I'm, that's, I'm will... very protective of these kids that yes. we have learned. We've gotten to know and you just can't help but fall in love with them. So you really want to be one of their advocates, too. We want to be some of the people that are on the team saying Absolutely. you can do this. But some of the times what we're seeing is and I would say very often I see just in just talking to you about reviewing IEPs or even just experiences that I've had as I've advocated for Caleb's IEPs and my son Trevor's IEP is that they, oh, we didn't meet this goal. So we're just going to keep it on the IEP. So pretty much everything on the IEP is the same as last year because we're only at 60% or 70%. And I'm just like, okay, if he hasn't made progress or gotten to meet this goal in a year, then it's not appropriate. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. So the whole point of a goal is to get mastery. Yes. And to build confidence and to build skills. If you're working on, typically there's five skills on an IEP, give or take. And if you can't master one out of the five, that's a pretty clear indication that's not the best goal. Yeah. So go back to the drawing board and take a couple steps back. Yes. And sometimes what happens is parents have to say, here's another thing that drives me mad is, is that schools are not giving parents progress reports. Right. And progress reports are required by the state of Washington. And so I went to my nephews, my new nephews, because he's just entered our family and he's in the fourth grade, third or fourth grade. And I went to his IEP with my sister because it's been a hot minute since she'd done an IEP meeting. And I asked the question is that how often do you send out IEP or I'm sorry, progress reports? And they were like, because he's in gen ed. And they looked at each other and she's like, 
I thought that you were sending them out. And oh. then she says, I no, that's not my department because you're the speech therapist. Like you're supposed to be getting them to such and such. And then they go are supposed to be going with report card. That hasn't been happening. And it was this whole moment where I was like, now, how will you? Mm-hmm. Because my thing is that the progress reports come out with every report card yes. or they have to come out with the report card at the minimum. You can even ask for them more regularly if you want to. And you have access to your children's education. Yes. And their you data. Can, you, you can, can re- ask for it. Yes, you can. They mm-hmm. act like you, oh, you'll get it at the progress report. No, I'm asking for it now. So there was a meeting that I attended that the parent asked for weekly yes. data collection. Because evidence. she provides that to her therapy team. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. needed that to know then where they were working at and then how he was pacing to meet the goal. Because they were trying to replicate some of the goals, his IEP goals at home. And the teacher felt really targeted, but yes. we wanted just to clarify that it was, we're working as a team. And it There's wasn't no because we don't think you're doing no, it. It's, it's we need this information to work as a team. Yes. You have the most time with him. Mm-hmm. So we need your data to give to his therapy providers so yes. they know where he's at without losing so much therapy time, yeah. trying to gain that information. If you already have it, they can look over it and they can judge it and they can know where he's at and pick it up from there. Yes. And yeah. I love that model because we are the same, you know, we have the same mindset in that I want Caleb's IEP <clears throat> goals to be structured, to be similar with his his reading and writing skills goals that we're working on with his speech therapist privately. So I love when I and I think parents probably don't realize that there's a real benefit to having your IEP goals match and partner with those goals that you might have with your ABA provider or a speech therapist or an occupational therapist. There's because you are starting to build quicker on those goals and that mastery. So when Josiah was in school, we would um, align his GDA goals. Yes. With his care provider and his respite care with his IEP goals. Yes. Just the fluidity of working on those goals didn't seem like a targeted intent. Yes. It was very much just a part of his day. Yes. So there was less resistance. But also, too, then you don't have, I'm working on, when I go to school, here's the goals I'm yes. working on. When I go to and see this provider, these are what I'm working on. When I'm working with my personal care provider here, that's Fatigue like is a real 15, thing. That's 15 different targets. And depending on regulation mm-hmm. and stress tolerance and just that's a long day. Yes, it if is. If we had five goals that we're working on and when he goes to school working on those five and how it translates at school, then when you're working with this provider, it's going to translate to that environment. And then when you're at home, it's going to translate to home environment, too. So then that skill is translated in multiple settings for mastery. So what we have found in some of the cases is kids can master their goals in the school setting and they can master their goals in therapy, but they can't generalize it. To so home. it's not truly mastered. Yes. It, they can do it within the school walls, but when they get home, they can't generalize the skills. What is the real intent behind that goal? Your kid's not going to be in the school's walls yes forever mm-hmm. they've got to be able to take that out yeah so take away for parents listening think about as you're sitting down with an IEP or you're sitting down with your ABA provider newsflash two you can have these conversations with your ABA providers yes. and you should be working with your ABA provider about what are our goals and also you can ask your ABA providers for a progress report you can if you're setting it for ABA is at home you probably have a better pulse of what's going on and how those goals are being met but oftentimes we're seeing a lot of clinics switching over to in clinic sessions versus at home sessions which I don't know that I love I love a combination of both because as we yes. talked about translating the skills what you can do in a clinic environment versus what you're doing at home they're not always translating so I love kind of this idea of being able to have some in home and some in a clinic with that being said you can ask your ABA providers for a progress report yes and again if you're going on the mindset of I want to have consistency at school at ABA with our ABA providers, with maybe a personal care provider and just what you're doing at home, now we're all on the same page. And it's really then important to get those progress reports from all of these key people. And again, you're right. When we asked that this parent, the family wanted to have the weekly data, it was because she was trying to keep the team on the same page. And it was not in any way indicating that they were not saying that the school wasn't doing their part or taking the data, but that was definitely how they received it initially. Yeah, which was an interesting response. Yeah. So I just let her um, have a moment and process it. Yes. Because there's some internal dialogue that she's going to have to work through. Yeah. And um, that's not something for, that we get to help you with. Yes. You, you. I'm sorry that this is more work, but yeah. 
it's required and yes. we're asking for it. Yeah. And now that it's on a legal document, we're going to be expecting it every Friday. Yes. And that's the thing is that you can ask for the data as frequently as you want mm -hmm. and they have to be able to do that. Now you can talk about how do you want it sent? Do you want it sent in the backpack? Do you want it mm -hmm. sent just as an email? So there's some negotiating that you can do about how the data is being sent home or given to the family, but you are entitled to it. And if you are not getting progress reports on every single IEP goal with the report cards, your school needs to be nudged that they're not meeting that uh, stipulation. It's Sometimes a, it's a, a gentle nudge is okay. Yes. It's don't, okay. It's okay to be the squeaky wheel. You're not I wish that I could say that all the schools are just doing these and that seamless things fall through the cracks. Again, in this instance, I truly do believe that one thought the other one was responsible for it. And it was like, no, that is not. But aren't we? I'm so glad that we had this conversation because there is obviously a gap in communication yes. and who, how the information gets to the right people so that it gets with the report card that goes home to the family. But so because you asked a question, you gave them an opportunity yes. to be successful. I felt very good that you gave them an opportunity. Yes. So at the very least, you should be getting them with a the report card. And I do love getting those with the report cards because that tells us if there's not any progress between when the IEP meeting was done and then the first report card. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit tight. Maybe your IEP meeting sure. is really close to a report card period, which is fine. But the thing is, is that as the next report card comes out, then and if you're not seeing some progress on those goals, then what do you recommend for families to do? Because I think parents' mindset, and this is terrible because no one has told us any different. They let us believe these things because they want it's easier if we oh. believe these things. They're not going to actually inform us so that we know better, because that means that then we are expecting them to do better, right? What we find is that parents think that they have to wait till the next IEP meeting, and then it's they got 30% towards their goal. And But really, my mindset is if I'm not seeing any movement on that goal and him or either of my boys meeting that goal, I'm not waiting till the next IEP meeting. So what do you suggest families so do? If you're sitting at home at the kitchen table and you have the report card and the IEP goals and the progress report and you're noticed there's no growth, first reach out to the teacher. I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm noticing this. Can I see the data? Can I have an explanation? Okay. We, we start there. Okay. And then we're like, so you get your response and you're like, oh, I would really love to see some data. Okay. Supported so you evidence. ask that, can you tell me, I'm not seeing any progress. Mm -hmm. Can you just give me like, can you just clarify that I there's like, no progress on any of these goals? Or I love this clarifying one. questions. Clarifying questions. They're my favorite. Okay. And then you look for data evidence. So then you ask for the data. Yep. Would you mind if I just peek at the data? Sure. A couple of things to notice. A, you can have as many IEP meetings as you want and they have to give you prior written notice within 10 days. So you can attend the meeting. They absolutely cannot schedule it the day before for a time that doesn't work for you. Yes. That doesn't count. Yeah. B, if you have a goal that's mastered, you, can you get a new one. You can set a new goal, even if it's not at your IEP meeting. Yes. So even if you have to backtrack a, a couple of steps back and you find that your kiddo can master that goal sooner than you anticipated, you can add another goal. And I have seen so, schools where kids have actually mastered one of their goals, yes. but they don't take that as the initiative to set a new one. But you can. But they, it's an option. Yes. Yes. And why not then put a new goal out there? Because mm -hmm. you, so we're just trying to we're we're not trying. We hope if you're from a school district, don't send us hate mail because we just here's the thing. If this was your child, you would want the school district doing what's in your child's best interest. So. If you're a school district person or you're a special ed teacher, you need to put yourself, if I was a parent, how would I feel about this? And these conversations come from actual exposures. Yes. We have lived these experiences. We, yes. So we're not talking out of pocket. No. These are actual conversations we've had at IEP meetings. Yeah. Oh, for our own personal for our children. Own personal and then, children. And just ones I've accommodated and accompanied with. Yes. So again, some people in the school districts might be dying a little bit inside because, oh my gosh, once the word gets out, this is going to be just a lot more work. And it's, hey guys, these are individual education plans mm -hmm. for these young people. And because we're aunties and we yes. want the best for these kiddos, we're, we, we're going to call some things out because that's what good aunties do. And yeah. we just want everybody to be informed and know what they can ask for. And it shouldn't be that much work. If no. it's already occurring in the classroom. Yes. Yeah. Just don't be afraid yeah. to call an IEP meeting, even if it's just to bring everybody around the table and just 
get an in-person update on how your kiddo is doing. Yes. Are these goals appropriate? Yes. Is he doing well with his para? All, like, it's mm-hmm. okay. You can have those conversations. Absolutely. With that being said, let's go and circle back to the what happens if your child's not making progress on a goal and how long do you let that go before you have a conversation? And what does that conversation look like when it's like, I'm not seeing any real growth in this area? So let's talk so about I give it about a month because you have to be aware that there's really not a lot of school days in a month. Yes. There's oftentimes holidays. Oh, yeah. In the most random times. And people get sick. But then I would just call a meeting and see where he is successful in that goal and where the barrier starts. Yes. And then that's how you break it down. Yes. But because I would that break means it down. that the goal is not, not appropriate. It's not appropriate. And that means that who we set the bar a little bit too high. So we need to evaluate the skill or the goal that we have. And how do we break this down into a smaller first component, like a first step? If you will. And I would also ask to see the procedure on how it's being taught. Okay. Is it, does it need to be more visual versus written? Does it need to be more visual versus verbal? Just show me how you present this material to my kiddo as a goal. And let's see if that's where we can maybe make some adjustments. Yes. If that's not it, then we break it down by skill set. Yeah. And one of the things that I have contemplated is that for some kids, for some of those harder goals, the time of the day that they're attempting it does make a difference. It does. And as a parent, are we allowed to ask what time of the day does this generally? Oh, I think it's important to ask those questions because if the the teacher can't change the schedule of the day, but you know how to set goals that your kiddo can master and be successful in. If math is not their strongest suit in the afternoon, you're not going to want your most rigorous goal to be math. Yeah. And that's okay. Because then you can take that knowledge and increase the skills potentially to the next level at ABA. Yes. Or you can build upon it elsewhere. Is it possible that because of the way that the daily schedule is built and that say math is in the afternoon and that's just a terrible time, is it possible to say, hey, could we see if the para could work on the math in the morning? Because we know that's not part of Is it possible to do something like that? I don't think there's any question that's not possible to ask. Okay. Especially if there's a one-to-one para. Yeah. It should be pretty structured to your kiddo's most success. Yeah. And in my experience, Josiah was on his own schedule. He didn't follow the classroom schedule. Mm-hmm. So we, in theory, should have worked on his skills to his best ability in the morning. Yeah. And then decrease the demand in the afternoon. Absolutely. But I've seen kids where it's reversed. Mornings are not their jam. They're not morning people. No. Nope. So they just get to chill for a couple hours. After lunch, they can knock some stuff out. Mm-hmm. So to me... There's no bad question. Okay. Because if you don't ask it, you don't know. Yeah. But if the teacher doesn't even think about it and you ask that question, then she can probably do some planning. He or she can do some planning around it. Yeah. And I'm going to let another cat out of the bag. If you're a person in a school district, sorry, we're going to call you out again. But we do know that messaging to special ed teachers is if they're not asking for it, let sleeping dogs lie. We know that is actually flat out happening. Yes, and it is. it's the squeaky wheel gets the attention because if a family is advocating for it and asking for something, and again, there are laws that specify mm-hmm. how these things have to happen, they have to address it. But if a family doesn't have the skills or the knowledge to advocate and know what to ask for, it's not going to be readily available given to them via the school district. They're not going to offer it necessarily. Yes. Good Teachers will put it in place because they're passionate and they will do that. But again, the mindset is, is unless you ask for it, it's not going to be. It's it's DDA. Unless you know what to go in there and ask, you don't know. They, it's not like they give you a menu of what your opportunities are, right? No, it's, it's very much, well, you can access this. Yes. But what is this? They say, here's your waiver. Why do I need this? Here's a brochure. But it, it's not a lot unless you start asking very specific questions. What about this or what about that? Does this count? Would this fall within this category of my waiver? You, It's just here's your brochure. Here's the waiver. And then you have to figure out what falls within that. And so it's the same thing even when we talk about accommodations. Mm-hmm. Unless there are the standard ones that are pretty easy to manage in a classroom are pretty common. But when we start getting into ones that are totally reasonable accommodations, they're not necessarily going to be offered to you unless you specifically ask. Communication devices, for example. Yeah. If you don't have one at home, the school is required 
to provide one. Yes. If it's on his IEP. Yes. He had that with Caleb. So I don't, uh, well, a little backstory on this. I don't know if I ever told you the story, but Caleb has, he has dysgraphia, meaning he has things in his head, but he has a hard time with the brain, fine motor arm skills to be able to get then the idea out of his head onto the paper. And so, right, he has fine motor skills challenges. His handwriting is atrocious. And then also, because sensory-wise, he does not like the sound of erasers on paper, he would just throw, if he made a mistake, he would not erase it. He would just throw the whole piece of paper away and then he would just start over, which is just time Mm management-wise not a good strategy. Also, because he struggles with auditory processing. And then we found out, too, he can actually dictate some of his thoughts so he can get those ideas in his head out a lot easier if he has a keyboard or he can dictate it. So anyway, there was a lot of things about it. But the thing about it was is that I actually had to build the case with the school district that they needed to provide him with a alternate communication device. It's not that he's not vocal. It's not like he doesn't have communication skills. He needed it because he had dysgraphia. And he had receptive language processing and expressive language processing, and therefore he needed an iPad, and the school district needed to provide it for him. And once it's provided, it needs to be accessible to the students. Yes. So he had it had to be offered to him. All and he once he got the iPad, it had a little keyboard, and he would throw it out. The one thing is, as he got older, he realized, wait a minute, where's everybody else's iPad? Because this is before uh-huh. COVID. <laughs> and then he was just like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one, and he felt guilty because. In his mind, it's, this is so much easier to do it this way and no one else is getting it. So they have to do it the hard way. And he was feeling bad about it. He was feeling bad about it. So then we were finding I was upset because I'm like, I'm getting these worksheets home with really bad penmanship. It doesn't make sense because of his dysgraphia. And I'm like, why is it not being offered to him in the classroom setting? Because it has to be available to him yeah. to use. Come to find out, they're like, he doesn't want to use it. And then I was like, well, that is interesting information. So we had to help normalize it for Caleb. Then COVID happened, and then everybody had a laptop. And then we went back to him not feeling bad about using his technology as an accommodation. So if there is, again, another positive thing about Mm -hmm. COVID, it really did normalize every student has a laptop or the Chromebook or whatever they call them. And So everybody has that. But Caleb associated with he knows that it is much, much easier for his academic work having this device and no one else had it. So he's feeling guilty. And that was something that that was not a fault of the school. But I asked the question and then was educated about the fact that it was actually Caleb not wanting to use his accommodation. And that was a great opportunity to teach him self-advocacy and understanding that sometimes it's okay to ask for things that might be different if it helps you be equally successful yeah it's not a leg up it's just even yeah yeah but in his mindset i yeah. understand why he oh, was thinking because he's like gosh like my workload has gone from here very high mark to being manageable and so i can understand his thought process and it's okay i what we tried to explain to him too is it's, it's okay to have everybody needs different things to be successful this yep. is what it is what it means for you and you don't have to feel bad about that you don't have to apologize you don't have to downplay it and like I said, COVID fixed it all because now everybody has computers and that's just there the way of the world. Does he still use it? Oh, yes. That's so great. His talk, talk to text really changed a lot of things for him because he can just verbally vomit into a document and then at least get it captured. And yeah. then it's the skills of going back and editing, which is, again, a good. But that's a practical business life skill. Like that's a job essential skill. That's one of his goals then for his IEP. And that's the whole thing is that we're using this as IEP goals and we're using that then also in his private therapy oh, sessions and it works out so well. Good. But. Again, we're not trying to throw stones at the school districts. We do know that you are school districts are in a really bad place. If we have data because of OSPI, Office of the Superintendent of Public Instruction, you can go there and you can get demographics. And we know exactly how many students are on IEPs in mm-hmm. every single school district. So we know that in Spokane County, we have over 12,000 students that are, have IEPs. That's just IEP. It's not 504s. That's IEPs. Wow. Yeah, so we know we have over 12,000 students in Spokane County on IEP. So we do recognize that this is a tremendous number of students that then have to have these, This they have to have IEPs, meetings, data tracking, all of the things. But but that's the territory. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but that's the requirement of the job. It is. And again, we are advocating for what the student needs to be successful. And mm-hmm. I don't care about the school's budgets and this whole thing. I try to make sure that the parents and the schools re- recognize that when we attend meetings and help parents advocate for meetings and 
help not give them the language, but open their eyes to some things. Yes. We're never going to ask for more than what their kiddo needs. It's just what they are required to have to be successful. We'll never ask for more. Yeah, we're not and above and beyond. Yeah, I'm not asking for basic Chrome or MacBooks. I'm not asking for a MacBook for a student that needs a technology accommodation. I'm not. That's not what I'm asking. Like scented markers are not going to be required. No, no, we're not asking for anything special. No, just the basic requirements that are going to need the students going to need to be successful. Yes, and I will say I have seen some amazing special ed teachers and how they run their classroom. And how they're able to manage collecting data mm-hmm. and manage the goals and have appropriate goals and also recognizing this is not going to be a suitable goal for this particular student. And there are times parents, now I'm going to be a little critical of parents here. Sometimes parents do not have realistic goals for where their student is. And I guess that's a really good point to clarify. When IEPs are given to me and we sit and we di- dissect them, I will always say, nope, the school's in the right. This yes. is a perfect goal. This is exactly this is a starting point. This is a starting point. They're doing as they should. This is the process. We don't need to jump off the high high diving board right now. And we I need would, to just this is not the time to our, our floaties. Yes, this like, is not the time to lawyer up here. No, yes. no, the school's in the right. So please know, like, I'm not going to just side with the parents. I'm yeah. siding with what's best for the student yeah. and advocating for the student's education. Yeah. So sometimes you might not like what I have to say. But it's always going to be honest and it's always going to be ethical. Yes. So that's true. Just a little. Now, for those that are in the Spokane County area, Isaac Foundation does do this level of support. And unfortunately, we're a nonprofit and we can't do all things for free. For some families, we do work with some families that are low income that don't have the financial means to be able to access this type of service. And so there is scholarships and it is a sliding fee schedule based off of a family's um, financial Mm -hmm. income. And so we do that because for families that are low income and those kids are needing someone to advocate, we will do that and there's no cost for those families. But they have to reach out. They have to be part of the process. They have to be reasonable about what their goals are. Financial barriers should not be in the way of a kid's education. Not ever. With that being said, we have monthly giving levels. So there's a $25 a month, there's a $50 a month, there's a $100 a month. These, with that in mind, because the $25 a month gets those kids, they get unlimited access to our, our clubhouse programming. And so there's studios. some studios. Those are super fun. I do love the studios. And, and they also sometimes will get discounts on registration for things that are that have a cost. Because if we do special t-shirts, maybe you'll get a discount at the $25 level. At the $25 level, you can get a little bit, you can there is the opportunity for you to review an IEP. Yeah. So at that level, I think it's safe to say that it would be best accommodating email and IEPs and I can go over it and give you some feedback. Yes. Because there is time associated with this. It is. Yeah. yeah. At the $50 level, we will provide more um, support. If you're giving at a $50 a month level and you need some support, you are able to do more at that giving level. Yeah, at that level, it's very much where you can either email me your IEP and I can go over it. But more times than not, I like to have people come into the office and we can dissect them in person. I can give you some feedback. I can give you some suggestions on goals and accommodations. Maybe not attend the meetings with you, but give you the knowledge that you need to be successful and independent on your own at these meetings. Give you the power. Yes. And then after the meeting, circle back with you. Circle back, review the finalized IEP, because also you don't have to sign the IEP at the meeting if you don't Don't. agree with every single thing. Or you need to run it by Maria. You need to run it by somebody else. Mm -hmm. You absolutely do not have to sign IEPs at the end of the IEP meeting. That's a very good point. I'm just going to asterisk that one in there. And always trying. They always try and get you to sign it. So it's not not a requirement. It is not. So that's that $50 a month giving level. So if you, and again, you're still accessing all of our programming here at the Isaac Foundation too, as part of that. It's not like we're building these levels for just IEP. There's a lot of, oh, there's a lot of other fun stuff that happens in those different levels. $100 a month though, that actually you're attend, you have the option of asking Maria to attend those meetings. With yes. You. So for that level, I'd be happy to engage in um, email correspondence, making sure that the team is built, going to those IEP meetings as many as are necessary. Required. Sometimes there's been one meeting that's been great or up to three to four. There is really no limit on that as long as there's just clear communication and willingness to work together. Exactly. Now, an emerge- I said, is it an emergency? Yes. Yoda has some hair because she licks her nose and the one side, so her hair is a little lighter. On the- he was. Th- it is an emergency. Kind of. It is an emergency. It kind it was- of is when it comes to our pets. Yeah, he's very concerned about her. Yeah. With that being said, sorry, Tyler, just edit that part about your 
your brother calling about the dog. With that being said, there are, let's say you're not going to utilize our clubhouse or you're not interested in studios and you just want to pay for consultation. That is also an option. And we can just do like a lump sum or here's what dollar amount it would cost. Yeah, it kind of just depends on the severity and the intensity intensity level of that. But we can discuss that as necessary. So if you just want if you want to know, here's what I need. I don't want to become a monthly giver at any of those levels, but here's the level of support I need. Maria, you can give them this is what our your rate is because it will require X number of hour time. And it really just comes down to that. Yeah. If it's just a review in the IEP and making sure everything's kosher, I don't mind doing that. Yeah. But it's the when you need input on goals, if you need input on email correspondence. And you're going to potentially have to attend meetings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but oh, we no. can. And, yeah, no. it's a case by case. And it, it is, is a sliding fee schedule for those that have it's income based because we do know that not all, fam- all some families need this. And so we do take financial means in consideration as we're it's a sliding fee. So that's why it's difficult to us to say this is a $250 package and this yes. one is a because there's just different factors that are involved. And, and we look at the whole family. Yeah. And we, we look at the needs and the accessibilities. And there's a lot of things that come into play. Yes. But we're always very fair. Yes. So you are more than welcome to shoot us an email. Uh, Maria is maria at theisaacfoundation.org. If you have quick question and you want to just, again, we're really trying to. You want this information in person. I'm actually doing it something similar information based um, at the clubhouse next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Special education. Oh, parent training. Uh Another thing before we wrap up this podcast, we want to talk about parent information. Yes. We're or doing this podcast so some people can access it. But we're also wanting to meet with families. You're doing a workshop for parents coming up. So one of the new things we're doing at the clubhouse is once a month offering different worksheet workshops. Yes. This month for March is inside the world of special education. So a lot of this material will be discussed again, but in person. And when you have questions, then it might still, while you might have listened to this podcast and it's very valuable, you might have a specific question about whether or not, excuse me, about whether or not something is accurate. And this would be a great place to come. Yes. You're going to get some of this information, but then if you have a specific question, you're available to. Absolutely. I would love to give feedback. So it would be um, next Tuesday and Thursday, the 7th and 9th. Yes. Next Um, Tuesday. Yeah. So Tuesday, March 7th from 530. 430 to 530. 430 to 530. Yep. And then Thursday, March 9th from 430 to 530. Yes. Yes. And it's the same training. So don't feel like you have to come to both. It's no. one or the other. One just giving other. parents options. Yeah, because during different days of the week just work better. Yeah. So that is coming up. And those parent workshops are we're going to be offering um, a different series in April. They're totally free. But this one is specifically to special education. So we wanted to record a podcast about some of this information. This is a lot to process. And there's always a lot of questions. And again, as much as we are a nonprofit, we would love to be able to not have to have a funding mechanism for any of this. Unfortunately. So we still have to pay the internet bill and we have to keep the lights on and the doors open. And you do a lot of this. So don't feel like parents, if you need assistance, reach out. But also for teachers, I, I don't think teachers don't like to admit that they don't know as much as they probably should about IEPs. And that- some teachers, it's their first to fifth year. Yeah. Some of us have been having IEP meetings for the last oh 16. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. But we would love to support educators, too. If you have a question on what goal might be best for a student. Yeah. I'd love to help that way too. I have told you before that I think you need to do a a continuing ed workshop for teachers that's on how to build goals. Because sometimes yes. as we're talking about some of these, hey, kiddo, what's your goal? What is it that you would like to do? Cooking a pizza, building a shopping list, whatever. How you could take students' feedback and really build some really meaningful goals. And also- it's kind of my jam. Yeah, I, oh, I you, love that. Yes. And I think I was like, man, you need to do a workshop because I- do think I know so that teachers there's not a course that they take at college before they roll out into the world of special mm. education that teaches them they do but it's not a good it's not equitable to your students either no. and that's the thing and you get better as a teacher you get better at making these goals but I think there could be more support for teachers about what this looks like and like I said there's some great special ed teachers if we could clone them mm-hmm. or if they would we could record what it looks like in their classroom and how they're able to manage this in a really meaningful way so that there's that education to the other teachers so that they can see that it does it is possible it can work but how do you do it yes 
So I would just like to say, I guess some of the takeaways is you do not have to go through the IEP process alone. Yeah. You absolutely do not have to go. Invite your student to join you at the meetings. Yes, if they have the capability. Yep. Absolutely. Invite yep. them to be. You can have as many meetings as you want. You don't have to sign it. You can take a support person with you. You to can these take meetings. support people with you. Mm-hmm. I think those are the major takeaways from yeah, this you one. Don't sign that. And also, they have to at least give you notice. Yes, prior, prior notice. notice. All right, Maria. Thank you. My friend, thank you for thank joining you. me. We have. We always sit around and we talk just throughout our day and it's, oh, that would be a great podcast. And then we forget to do it or we don't get around to doing it. But this one. But now it's mobile. It is you mobile. You wheeled it into the office. Everybody, it was phenomenal. If you're listening to this, you're going to think probably to yourself, wow, Holly's audio is getting so much better because she has had some really crappy podcast audio in the past. And yes, that is true because it's very clunky. Some of these systems are just not very intuitive. So I got a new system and it sits on a rolling table. Love it. So I just rolled around. We have our little headphones that we stick on and they sound so much better. And we also got our producer Tyler back. He's back, everybody. Everybody, Tyler's back. Producer Tyler's back and he is editing our podcast and he also tells us when we're not doing a very good job and our, yeah. our audio sucks. And yeah. I, I did one last time with Tammy Dillon from Skillskin, and it, it sounded like she has a lisp. And I felt bad. And we he tried for days trying to get a tech support person to help us fix the audio. And it turns out, did I tell you? No. Was there a solution? There, no, we weren't able to fix it. We just oh. had to roll out because it was good, important information about okay. Skillskin's okay. Yeah, tracks for success that's coming up on March 11th. Can ding, plug that one one more time. But we could not fix her lisp. And then after Tyler spent umpteen days, so many hours trying to find someone or figuring out how to fix the audio so she did not sound like she had a lisp, the reason why the audio was not good is it was the first time I had used my our capability now with our podcasting setup is that we can have someone on the phone and it Bluetooth to our podcasting oh. setup. And my phone's audio, my so my phone was what caused the problem. Interesting. Tyler, she was on her landline and I was using the Bluetooth on my phone. And the landline is what created, um, I guess, the harmonics on the mm. on the landline was what caused the lisp to happen. But there was no fixing it. Interesting. So now Tyler has said I'm not allowed to record using my phone <laughs> until we troubleshoot that a little bit more in practice. So oh. I know what I'm doing. See, he keeps us in line. He really does. So we're yeah. really grateful to have Tyler back. And I'm very grateful for you because you are the IEP whisperer. Oh, it's my pleasure. We just love that. Before we go, I just have to say, Brooklyn, if you're listening, I love you. And it's time to go to bed. Yes, go to bed, sweet pea. We know that you listen to Mommy's podcast when you go to sleep. And I love that because you are really helping with my podcast (laughs) stats. So keep up the good work, but it's time to go to sleep, sweetie. Time to turn it off. (laughs) All right. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.